And I want us to look at the Super Bowl for a moment. The stadium is packed, right? People are there, and they're all surrounded by all the same people with all the same passion, correct? They're expecting a what? Expecting the, this game, an awesome game. They're expecting their team to win. Hey, that's going to be it. There's even, most of the time, a fairly light, joyful mood, you know? All that's going on. But what you find out, if you really got into to the nitty-gritty, is that nobody's really connected in any other way. You've got all these people in this stadium. They all basically have the same purpose for being there. They all have the same expectation, but nothing else connects them in any way, shape, or form. We have something called social media. We have Facebook. Have you ever noticed how everybody puts out select pieces of their lives on Facebook? Select pieces of their lives. It's a lot like a first date, isn't it? You go out on a first date, are you telling that person you're dating everything? No, you want to put on your best what? Best appearance. Social media, even, even the negatives, are just a glimpse into a person's life. They have nothing really to do with the person as a whole. There's no depth to social media at all. There's no real connection. Why is it that society today is the loneliest and most isolated it has ever been. Why? When we are connected to more people than not, I mean, the game is to see how many friends you can get, how many likes you can get, and yet we are more disconnected and lonely and isolated as a society than we ever have been. Now, here's the thing. It's not just Facebook's problem. That just happens to be a good indicator of what's going on. Now, what I'm about to say, I hope it rumbles you pretty good and ruffles you. Everything I just described about the Super Bowl and everything I just described about social media pertains very well to the church in America. We have people filling the building. We have people showing up with the same passion to serve who? Right? There is a light and joyful mood. But beyond that, there doesn't appear to be much connection. Not a whole lot of depth. Is that the church's fault as a whole? No. I think we just have misunderstood what it is to be a believer. Misunderstood what it is to be a human being. Acts chapter 2, 42. Just hear me. I'm going to read this, and then you can jot that down. But listen to what, what we saw in the first church. They devoted themselves. Oh, that word devoted, what does that mean? Committed. We're passionate about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and here it comes, and to fellowship. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We're going to talk just for a few minutes today about fellowship. And I hope it, it, it opens your eyes to the fact that most of us, including myself, have no clue what true fellowship is. Fellowship. I was a little shocked myself that I've somehow missed this. Fellowship. Hebrew word. Many people actually know this better than other Hebrew words. Koinonia. Anybody ever heard that word before? Koinonia. 
not the Hebrew word, the Greek word, koinonia. And basically, without going to all the details, basically what koinonia, which is always translated as fellowship, what koinonia means is this, to hold something, everybody do this, hold something of great value in common. A.K.A. you're holding all the same thing of great value, but who's holding it? Everybody's holding it, right? Everybody's holding it. It is a relationship that is dependent on more than just one person. We are holding together. Now, let me talk about what that looks like. Relationship with the Lord, number one. We have koinonia, fellowship with the Lord. What do we hold that is a great value in common with the Lord? Deep calls to deep. His spirit speaks to whose spirit? And our spirits become what? What with him? You got that? We're connected. I love what the Old Testament says. Deep calls to deep. His deep calls to my deep. You follow that? Deep calls to deep. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with Jesus. So God calls us into koinonia fellowship with Him, but it doesn't stop there. Look at your neighbor say, it doesn't stop there. Look at your other neighbor say, I cannot sit in a cave by myself and be a believer as He wants me to be. That's a long word, and that's a long sentence. Say, I can't be a lone ranger. I can't be a lone ranger Christian. What are you talking about, Dave? Well, we're going to move along here. Because koinonia goes beyond just your relationship with the Lord. Once that's established, that's just the first step. The next part of fellowship is one another. Other believers, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What does that unite? What, what is it that we are holding in common of great value? Just said it right here. The Holy Spirit. Get a hold of it again. Come on. If you are truly believers in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit fills you, then we're all together holding on to one thing of great value. And what is that? The Holy Spirit. Okay, are you all with me? Come on. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I'm about to start some calisthenics if we don't shake it up here. Come on. Let's turn real quick. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I should have asked earlier. Everybody have a good week? And if you didn't have a good week, do you know God's still good? So, is there something good to your week then? Maybe I should ask. Whether it was your week or whether it was God, either way is good, right? That's what we have to hold on to. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 44. And we're just going to read three verses quickly. So, what does this look like? Let's play it out in the church, fellowship, just to get started here. All the believers were what? Together, and they had what? In common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. When did, how often did they meet? How often? How often? Hmm. This must be a typo. They broke bread in their homes. They ate 
together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord did what? Added to their number daily those who were being saved. Folks, if I'm reading correctly, I don't believe the disciples had to have a sermon on having fellowship. They just did it. They didn't have to thumb through their schedule book and decide when was best time to get together. They just did it. Why? Because they all held something of great value in common. And who was that? They were all walking in one. They were all in one accord. They were together, bound by the Holy Spirit. And I think we all do, for the most part, catch that. As believers, we're bound together. And so when we gather together around the Word, around the Spirit, around the Lord, we call that what? Fellowship. But here's the problem. Most of us stop there. And that's not all fellowship. Who just heard that? Most of us just stop there. Oh, we gathered together. We even prayed together. Oh, that's awesome. We've got to do that. Amen? We've got to gather around the Word. Amen? We got to gather in the name of Jesus, amen. We got to declare his goodness, amen. And when we do that together, what do we call that? But that's all. That's not all. Let me share just a couple of verses with you. Fellowship is much more than just being united by the Spirit and being together. Is this fellowship here? Sure, it's a part of it. But is this all of it? No. That's what I'm trying to get across today. This is not all of it. It's not just inner unity. Throughout the New Testament, koinonia is actually translated in other ways other than fellowship. And it just begins to open our eyes when we see what these are. I'm just going to throw these words out. I'm going to ask you to guess which word has actually been translated from the Greek word Koinonia. Here we go. Let's try this verse. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What word is koinonia? Partnership. Philemon 1.6. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Partnership. You're going to get the theme here in just a moment. How about this one? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. Participation. Let's try this one. Second uh, Corinthians 8.4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Same word, koinonia. Because of the service, this is 2 Corinthians 9.13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Let me just do two more. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people. Contribution. If we were to go through this, once again, we're looking at participate, participation, sharing, and contribution. All translated from the same word, koinonia. 
all translated just like fellowship from the same word. Fellowship, does that mean just to always sit and be together? No, actually the larger aspect of fellowship means gathering together to do together. Okay, I want to make sure, I'm not going any further until you understand what I'm about to say. The first half of fellowship is being together. The second half is doing together. Myself, we just beat our... When we gather together, oh, Debbie and Karen, fellowship team and myself, we just beat our heads against the wall trying to figure out how to have fellowship things, right? We do. And I'm going to tell you what, when we gather back there and we eat over some good food... <laughs> Aaron thinks it's a spiritual experience. In a measure, yeah. In a gathering together in, in, in His name, sure. Is that partly fellowship? Sure. But is that all fellowship? In fact, is that even 50% of the fellowship? No, that's just a portion of fellowship. Because there's a reason for gathering together and being so that we can gather together and do Let's get in here just a little bit deeper. Action. Action is always included in Koinonia's meaning. It's not just about being together. Basically, it is ta- fellowship is Mary and Martha. Oh, I think everybody just lost me because I just said food and you're thinking about, hmm, Ruby Tuesday salad bar would be good right now. See, I lost Frankie 10 minutes ago. I got to stop what I have to say here. Fellowship is Mary together and Martha put together. Are you hearing that? That is fellowship. It's not, and, and here's the thing, it's doing together, but it's not just doing anything together. Not just doing a, just anything I mean, what do the Ruritans do? How many, you know, Fred Holland, I don't know if his Fred's here. He's part of the Ruritan Club. They do a lot of good things, don't they? Sponsor a lot of good things. Anybody could do that, right? Do we need the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things? You follow me? A club that goes out there, a charity out there, anybody can do some of these things without the Holy Spirit. So the Lord's not saying, hey, our fellowship is about being together and then just doing everything together. No, it's doing something very specific together. Let's turn, if you really quick could uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to see what it is that in fellowship we're called to do. And I promise you all of this is going to come out all in the wash here in just a few moments. If you feel confused or lost, just bear with me. As soon as you're there, let me hear you say amen. Ephesians 3, okay, starting in verse 8. Although I am the less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. This is Paul speaking. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Um, won the administration of this mystery, which for ages, um, for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now, here we go. His intent was that now through the church, where's the church? Where's the church? I better see every hand who's a believer raised high. Who is the church? Here we go. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, a.k.a. God's plan, God's will. You with me? 
should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that is accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read that even clearer out of the Passion Translation. Same uh, verse 10 and 11. Here it goes. <clears throat> the purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavens the God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined from the beginning and fulfilled completely through Jesus and now will be displayed through who? Do you know what fellowship is? It is gathering together, united by the Holy Spirit, and sent forth as a whole body to declare God's will to the world. Well, that sounds fine. Yeah, that does sound fine if we were doing that. Okay, I, I, you're, it sounds fine if we were do, actually doing that. But if you really take a look at churches across the world, especially America, are we doing that very well? Let me just keep pressing in here just for a moment. Fellowship is a corporate partnership with Jesus. It is, raise your hand, church, raise your hand. It's the body. How many bodies? One body made up of... So one body in partnership with who? Jesus. One body in partnership with Jesus fulfilling God's plan for the world. When Jesus said, you will do greater things than I, He meant it. And He meant it because He planned on His people gathering together like Mary at His feet and then to proclaim and do His will as one body. Not as a handful of people. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love it. I am not the paid Christian at White Hill Church of the Brethren. There's an old movie called, uh, oh, I can't even remember the name, Bo, Bo Guest. Oh, my word. The, friend, the, the, the Foreign Legion, the Air, uh, Arabians attacking the Foreign Legion. Everybody's dead except for four guys. So they prop up all the dead guys along the, the fortress tower. To make it look like there's more up there. And then, they can, and then the four guys that are alive keep running around from part to part, this part to that part, shooting the, the weapons to make it look like there was more people. I want you to think about this. This is what our churches have come to. We hire pastors to basically prop up a bunch of spiritually dead people. spiritually dead people, and expect them because they're paid to do all the work. When in actuality, the pastor is just as wrong as the spiritually dead people. Because if we were walking what the Word says, we'd all be standing there firing our weapons. Because there would be no spiritually dead. And we would all be saying, we are in this one accord. The enemy has nothing on us. 
Oh, I don't think you're getting this. The enemy has nothing on us as a body. As an individual, you are fair game. Oh, I'm going to get to this in a second. The exciting part's coming. See, here's the thing. God's plan, everybody say God's plan, is not a solo. It's a symphony. God's plan is not a me. God's plan is a we. I'm, I'm actually, it's so funny, I'm finding myself more and more and more struggling to sing all the I, 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 I worship songs. I don't mind them. We'll sing them a couple times. But pretty soon, if you notice, I like to start doing wee, 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 wee. <laughs> because aren't we all the body? Oh, who's hearing me now? Thank you, brother. Who's over there? Grant is playing with cars under here and heard me. Think about something. <laughs> I'll be down there in a second, Grant. Guys, I want you to think about something. What happened at the Tower of Babel? God disconnected people because they were fully intending on doing their will, their plan. He disconnected them by doing what? Confusing their language. Had he not do that, they were going to take over the world. Satan would have had full reign. So he confused their language so that they could not be connected to do each other, their will. But then, oh, what happened in Acts chapter 2? Here comes the Holy Spirit, and He comes down like tongues of fire. And what did He do with their language? Gave them a language that actually they were understanding each other. did not matter where they were from. They were understanding this beautiful spiritual language amongst each other. Never fear tongues, folks. And gathered together and reunited them and reconnected His people so that they would now accomplish whose will? The greatest example of fellowship happened in Acts chapter 2. And the crazy part is when they gathered in true fellowship and declared truth, the Lord added to their number. Oh, it's going to get gooder, I promise. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. I have spit all over this mic. That is so gross. Lucky whoever gets to use this next. Now, you are the body of Christ. Who is Paul talking to? You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And I'm going to put in uh, uh, my own addition. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether your schedule allows it to be or not, you are a part of the body of Christ. And you have been called to do mighty things. Anybody hearing this? I know I am, so whether you are, I guess it doesn't really matter, so... Now, here's the crazy thing now. I want to really get into this. <laughs> Lions. My son, at least three times a day, asks me what my favorite animal is. I still haven't quite figured it out. 
But he has a favorite animal with 22 different names. Gorilla, cheetah, rhino, names. On and on and on. Lion, tiger, blah, 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 blah. So he just rattles it off like it's one animal with 22 names. But he talks about lions, and he just loves what lions do. And, I, and you know, I, I had heard this before, but a lot of times they teach you that lions and other animals that prey on animals for, for food, they go after the weak and infirmed. But actually, that's not exactly true. And I hope everybody is about to hear what I'm, I'm about to say. So is, is going to hear what I'm about to say. He's not, the, the lions do not go after the weak and infirmed. They're not looking for who's weak and who's infirm. They're actually looking for a very specific thing, the ones who are isolated. It doesn't matter if it's weak or infirmed. As long as it's isolated, they're going to take it down. Who's with me right now? If you're isolated, you're going to be taken down if you're a prey. So that's why Paul says, in first, or Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he says, be well balanced and always alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Who's he looking for? The weak ones, the infirm ones, or the isolated ones? Who's hearing that? Oh, come on now. Who's hearing what I'm saying right now? Who's he coming after? The isolated ones. See, the enemy wants us out of fellowship. Oh, tell your family and friends and everybody around, the enemy wants us out of fellowship. He wants us out of fellowship. See, we are weakened when we are out of fellowship. The lion isn't coming after the weak. He's coming after the isolated. The isolation makes that thing weak, that prey weak. We are weakened when we're out of fellowship. We get absorbed. Oh, follow this. Just hear me for a second. We get absorbed by our struggles when we're alone. Don't we? Yeah. We get absorbed and we lose perspective, don't we? Oh, when you're alone, it's awful, awful hard to sit back and go, God is good no matter what, isn't it? So we sit around going, oh, it's all good. God, where are you? When the body's going, hey, you, where are you? Where are you? See, our world gets smaller the more isolated we get. You stop being a part of the body, your world's going to get smaller and your problems are going to get bigger. Can anybody in full honesty and just say, hey, I don't care. I've lived that before. Where I got so isolated and stepped back, oh, I've seen all kinds. Somebody, I, I, when, I was a, when I was a youth pastor, boy, you just learn a lot of stuff being a youth pastor. You learn how much you hate lock-ins. Yeah. It's not fellowship, man. That's, it. That's, almost, uh, that's almost akin to eternal damnation, I'm afraid. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Woo! But I'm going to tell you what, I remember teenagers, they're famous for this, but adults do this too. You just see it better in teenagers because they don't mind, they don't hide things as easy as adults do. 
Somebody says something to a teenager or looks at them funny or whatnot, and that person's like, everybody's talking about me. I'm not coming back. I remember asking several of them, a whole lot of them, who's everybody? Everybody. Who's everybody? Name them. Well, name them. You come up with one name. That's a lot of everybody, isn't it? And yet, do you know how many people stop coming to church and stop being in fellowship because of? Boy, you were an easy target for Satan, weren't you? Didn't take much to isolate you. Where do you think it was coming from? Where do you think it was coming from to isolate you from the body? See, Satan can't do a whole lot if you are in fellowship with one another. Oh, I'm so excited. Do you know how many have signed up so far for these life groups? We were thinking maybe we would be lucky to get 40 or 50 to start off with. We have already almost have 100 people signed up for life groups. I was like, that's awesome. And that's with six groups. So obviously we have to be praying how that, that looks because eventually there's going to have to be split. But I'm going to tell you what, that's awesome. There are people that desire more together, correct? Praise God. But that's what we need. That is what we need. And, and see, we also have people that out of their own need for identity, and I'm just going to be frank, they fill their life and their schedules Maybe not with bad things, but with unnecessary things. And I heard a secular psychologist, a secular, non-believing, non-Christian psychologist say, busyness is the tool of the devil. Because, look at me here, busyness isolates me when I say that. Well, I'm going to say that one more time, and I'm going to try to look at every eye when I say that. Busyness is not the American way, and it's definitely not the biblical way. Most of your busyness has everything to do with you and nothing to do with Him. Oh, you say, you don't know what you're talking about. I have a high-level job, or I have this, or I have that. I'm sorry. God gave, may have given you that job, but not for it to take precedence over Him. If anything, He gave you that because He believed that you will allow Him to be on the throne so He can move through you in that. I've heard brothers and sisters make such excuses for not being a part of the body, and they believe them, and they're well-meaning people, but they have isolated themselves. And guess who lied to them? Satan did. Satan did. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 says this, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. It's still a part of the body whether it likes it or not. Right? So what I'm about to say, I hope it just sets on all of us and we take hold of this. The only reason we ever get out of fellowship is because we fell into agreement with Satan. That's it. The only reason is because we agreed with what he said instead of what he said. Oh, but this is complicated. No, the only reason any of us become isolated 
is because somewhere along the line, the enemy has gotten a what? A foothold in there. Because isolation is for one reason only, and that is to shut you down. Who's hearing that right now? In fact, you ready for Proverbs 18.1? Oh, this is a good one. We almost need a drum roll for this one. Because I read this and I'm like, Satan, you're such a liar. And God, ouch. Proverbs 18.1 says this, out of the English Standard Version. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. And he breaks out against all sound judgment. Notice how there's no one there first going, oh, he's probably been hurt. Oh, he's probably, no, it's saying, and that's why the ice is going with what he feels and what Satan has lied to him about. And that's why the isolation. You say, well, we're all different personalities. Not everybody's a people person. Fellowship has nothing to do with being a people person. Fellowship has to do with being a God person. Amen? It has nothing to do with your personality. It has to do with the one who lives in you. Everybody sees, you know, we've done worship, we've done discipleship, we're going to do evangelism service. Worship, that's the corporate being. That's the Mary, right? Discipleship, evangelism, service, that's the who? The Martha. You want to know the beauty of it? You know what the vessel that carries them all? Fellowship. So if we're not in fellowship, guess what you struggle to do? Okay, can I say it again? If you're not in fellowship with the body and operating together with the body, guess what you're struggling to do? Worship, discipleship, service, evangelism. Oh, listen to this real quick. Oh, man, this is exciting. I'm glad I'm excited. I don't know about anybody else. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read it straight from the NIV, and then I want to read the Passion Version. But just listen to these words. You, you know one of the verses very well, but just listen to it real quick. This is how the NIV, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Service, evangelism, discipleship, right? Let us consider how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Love is who? Mary. Martha, then, is love being enacted through deeds. Discipleship evangelism, service, okay? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day, capital D-A-Y, approaching. What is that day, folks? Jesus' return. Everybody say, Jesus' return. Look at your neighbor say, Jesus is coming back. Be ready. But you know what this Scripture is saying? I think we miss this sometimes because there's a comma in here that messes with our heads. Do you know what this is saying? It says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, okay, but encourage. Why do we meet together? Why do we fellowship together? To encourage Because guess what's coming soon? 
What's coming soon? Let me read this other translation. Check out how it puts it here. I love it. It says, discover creative ways to encourage each other, to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This, oh, listen to this, please. This is not the time to pull away and neglect gathering together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage each other because guess who's coming back? And because he's coming back, who guess who's working harder to isolate us? Does anybody see the fact that the closer we get to the day of judgment, the closer we get to the day of Christ's return, that things are going to get rougher, and guess who's going to work double time to isolate us from the body? So why is it that we see church numbers falling, falling off the map? Because who's working overtime? And who's letting them get away with it? I know this sounds fiery, but I have to tell you, we've got to reevaluate our lives, folks. What is what takes precedence? It has nothing to do with coming to church on Sunday. It has everything to do with walking in fellowship and admitting that you cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian. Sitting at home as a believer, you're missing it, and there is no reasoning around it. Not participating in the body because you think you're too old, you're too young, that you have nothing to offer. I'm sorry, you are still part of the body whether you like it or not. And guess who has called you to mighty and wondrous things as one body? Now, there may be some here today say, Dave, you sound pretty over the top. I am over the top because, guys, the times are getting short. And more than ever before, I'm sitting around going, man, why are we messing around with whether to be here or not? Why are we messing around with this? Holy cow, we need each other. How many need each other? No, you need each other. Come on, get serious. We need each other. I can't do this. My wife can't do this. You guys can't do this. We cannot be Lone Ranger Christians and fulfill God's will, and if we're not careful, on our own. We can't. And if we're not careful, we're going to so believe that we can that guess who's going to be isolated and guess who's going to get devoured? Who's hearing me? Guys, I'm going to be honest. This has hit me so heavy that as soon as we're done with this series at the end of uh, February here, I'm taking three weeks, and we're going to knock out a series called Better Together. We so have to really get serious about this in our own lives because you are a part of the body. Whether you are the hands whether you're the feet, whether you're the heart, oh, and I love this one, whether you're the mouth. Gentlemen, don't rib your wives, please. Whether you're the mouth, whether you like it or not, you say, why isn't God doing anything? He's waiting for the body 
to gather together and be used mightily together as one body. Did anybody hear anything today? Oh, it's so vital that we gather together. I don't care if we call, you know, this generation millennials. Look, you know what? There is many, and I want you to hear me right now. You've got to stop believing all news. There are as many millennials who want truth as there are supposedly millennials that want nothing to do with God. Nothing's new under the sun. Stop listening to the news. And by the way, the church numbers are not falling away, just churchdom is. True believers are still growing like never before. They are. That's why, but you know, and the problem is, is we're actually seeing the growth happen in other countries where schedules aren't so what? Who's hearing that? Does anybody know you've been deceived? In fact, I'm going to tell you what. Why don't we hold each other accountable? The next time somebody within our body here says, how's everything going? And that person says, busy. Instead of going, oh, I feel you or I hear you, look at him and say, why? That's none of your business. Well, I'm just telling you, we need to hold each other accountable because we cannot allow Satan to continue to deceive each of us. Paul was busy, but guess what? He was never operating his own strength. He was operating in whose? That's why he was able to do it. Whether he was cold, whether he was warm, whether he was hungry, whether he was full, whether he was sleepy, whether he was not sleepy, he was able to do it because it was not his own strength. And here's the beautiful part. Fruit came out of it. How much of your busyness, the last thing I'm going to say, how much of your busyness do you see fruit coming out of? Eternal fruit. I'm going to ask you one more time. How much of your busyness do you see eternal fruit coming out of? Would you agree that's a tough question? Yeah. But does everyone understand today is the day? Because Jesus is coming back soon. How many know that? They say, oh, we've been talking that for a long time. I'm sorry. We can't get around it. Remember, a day, to the, to the, a, a day is like a thousand years, right? To us, a thousand years is like a day to Him. He's coming. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The other day, isn't it interesting? We were, we were reading through some end time scriptures. Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. All through end time scriptures. And I turned on the news. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Do I even need to convince you? More than ever before, Jesus is coming back. We should be telling everybody else that. He's coming back. We've got to bind together. We've got to bind together. And we've got to start being together. And we've got to start doing together as a body. And we're going to get into this deeper like I said, next month as we spend three weeks on this. So, Lord, I thank you for speaking to our hearts today. I know we've gone a little long, but I just felt like, Lord, we needed to hear this today. We receive that, Father. We receive that today. And, Lord, what we desire is that you continue to be glorified, that you continue to be glorified through us. Father, we need to be in fellowship with each other. we got to gather together. We are part of the body, each one of us. And I thank you, Lord, you are continuing to show us what it is that you're calling us to do.
as a body. Oh, God, we love you. And we lift. Now, I just want to pray right now for every person here who feels lonely and isolated. In fact, right now, let's just, with hands lifted high, let's just pray over every person here that whatever lie has brought that person to isolation or loneliness, feeling like they are disconnected, in the name of Jesus, revelation of your love would come pouring out over them in the name of Jesus. They would see the lie of the enemy that is keeping them isolated and simply the enemy just wanting to take them down. And we'd say, Satan is defeated. He was defeated at the cross. He has been disarmed. There is no ability that he has now to truly take us out anymore as we gather together. So, Lord, we want to thank you now in Jesus' name for opening our hearts and opening eyes today. That, God, you are a good God, and, God, you are more than able. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name holy name. I'm not going to get fancy. I'm just going to ask you to stand and you love that person, not next to you because you've already spoke with them several times. Find somebody else and love them before you leave.